this episode of the Patient Driven Supply Network, Tracelink's Roddy Martin talks with Senior Supply Chain Executive Peter Bigelow about the critical role CDMOs play in the pursuit of supply chain agility. Peter, it's great to, to have you join us on this Tracelink uh, Supply Chain Thought Leadership webinar series. Uh, it's obviously an even greater privilege because you've been involved with Tracelink for many years, right from the early Board of Advisor days uh, to, to where we are today. So welcome. And Peter, if you could just introduce yourself and then we can um, start our discussion. Great. Thanks so much, Roddy. And it's great to see you again and to, to reconnect. Uh, always have had uh, great interactions with you and appreciate your, your great thought leadership around the supply chain. My name is Peter Bigelow. I've spent all my career in the pharmaceutical industry, 14 years with uh, uh, SmithKline Beecham, which is now G part of GSK, and 14 years with Wyeth, which is now uh, part of Pfizer. Um, I left Wyeth 10 years ago and joined one of the leading CDMO companies called Patheon and served as their head of their North America business and as their CEO. Um, since I left Patheon, I've started a consulting business, and uh, my firm does consulting in the uh, pharmaceutical area, in, in the areas of drug development, uh, outsourcing, and, and <coughs> many uh, of the supply chain uh, areas. I'm really pleased to be with you today and uh, um, looking forward to our discussions. Fantastic, Peter. And it's always good to have somebody that's been in the industry and across so many parts of the industry uh, in an interview like this, because it's not as if you're giving us, you know, from within a pharma company, but different pharma companies. It's across some very significant sectors. And, you know, going from SmithKline all the way through to, uh, to Patheon, that's, that's dramatic change. So tell us, you know, in a, in a nutshell, what have you seen in terms of changes of supply chain as a, as a discipline, right from those early days to Patheon, who you know uh, are contracted, outsourced manufacturers with unique supply chain challenges. Oh, it's been a it's been a huge change. Um, I mean, you know, in, at a high level, it's it's gone from supply chain has gone from being a concept to a discipline. Right, you, you just use that word discipline, and so there's there's a lot more science and a lot more process behind supply chain than there ever was. And I think we've really benefited as an industry. We've gotten more reliable. We've gotten more cost effective. You know, we've gotten more flexible, but, but there's a long way to go yet. I think, um, you know, this concept that we've got to really build the science around supply chain uh, really continues to be a, a burning platform, especially for the farm industry. I think, you know, some companies outside the farm industry, and you know them well, Roddy, have, have brought us a long way. Uh, but, but we in the farm industry have kind of used this excuse of being highly regulated and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, high margin, you know, uh, really important products that, you know, we've kind of, you know, been on a, we've used that as a crutch to keep us from, from moving as fast as we should be moving in this industry. You know, and that's interesting. I mean, my wife, who didn't necessarily misunderstand supply chain, but she says, I hear supply chain now so often on the news. I kind of know what supply chain is about. And COVID-19 has certainly shone a light on 
you know, the broken stuff in the supply chain. It hasn't always been a positive picture. So let's, let's talk about, you know, agility. You know, agility, I think, is a word we're going to hear a lot about because, you know, we didn't know it was happening and we did a pretty lousy job of responding because we didn't have visibility. So over your various roles and all the way to, to Patheon and now even in your consulting, talk a little about agility and how you see pharmaceutical companies thinking about agility. Is it really a priority or are they trying to figure it out? So agility for me... <laughs> is really about decision-making, right? Making good decisions quickly, being accurate and setting direction so that, you know, everyone's not losing a lot of valuable time or going in the wrong direction. And the way you, so, so, so the way you make good decisions is, is by, you know, having the right resources available to you, having the right data, um, and, and having the right people that know the business and, and can really, you know, uh, have the confidence to set direction. And I think that that's really appropriate. And, and it points to the, you know, the minute you say data and the other comment you made around how so important it is for the CDMOs to get up and running on their technology foundation so that they can exchange data, they have visibility between the brand manufacturer and the CDMOs. Uh, and that we can, you know, see when batches fail or we can see when orders changed. And we don't wait weeks for that to happen. We can almost see them as they're happening. And so that data to, to support real-time decision-making is absolutely becoming more and more critical over time. To me, agility results in more reliable production, uh, a more flexible workplace. So that need to be made can be worked in and and cost effectiveness and by cost effectiveness I don't mean cheaper and I don't have to tell you this Rodney I mean leaner I mean you know done more smartly uh, with less waste um, in you know in ways that uh, you know produce a, a better product higher quality product at a lower cost you know I think that the challenge around this data and particularly, I mean, I've written a couple of articles and so have other thought leaders in, in uh, Tracelink around patient-centric. What does that really mean? And I mean, it's been for many years, it's been, you know, one of those places you don't go because of patient privacy and, and you can't go and start analyzing, you know, personal data from patients, et cetera. But if you look at the Procter & Gamble's and the consumer electronics industry, They've nailed this, this consumer insights down to a fine art where, you know, they know consumers so well that they can actually start manipulating their buying behaviors. Whereas, you know, yeah. we, we don't want to group patient data because, you know, it's private. And, and as a result, you know, we have terrible demand forecast accuracy. So the best we can do is stuff inventory all over the supply chain and hope that it's going to get to a patient and as the patient yeah. communities get smaller, that's going to be more and more difficult. So, you know, talk, let's talk a little bit about your Patheon days because, and not to talk about Patheon, but generically about the CMOs because, you know, the CMOs sit right at the back end, the supply side of the supply chain. They have to react to all the sins and evils that are passed down the supply chain all the way to 
you know, a company who's inherited, bought a lot of supply chain manufacturing sites and has to be responsive. So how do you see their capabilities evolving? Because they really are a critical part of the supply chain. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just one, one, uh, one thing I do currently, I, I did mention earlier, is, is I chair um, the board of trustees for what's called the Pharmaceutical Biopharmaceutical Outsourcing Association, which is the, the nonprofit trade association, you know, that, that, that represents the needs and interests of CDMO. So I stay very involved and I talk to CEOs of all the big CDM, CDMOs uh, pretty, pretty regularly. And um, it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredibly changing business. I would say about um, about over the past three years, about 50% of all the new drugs that have been launched in the U.S. have been launched through CDMOs. Wow. So they've become such an important part of our supply chain uh, in the pharmaceutical industry and uh, becoming a bigger, bigger part, a uh, lot of drug development, a lot of the new technologies, a lot of the you know really innovative stuff is coming out of out of the CDMO industry. So it's, it's become incredibly important. You know, when I first been in this industry, you know, every kind of the, one of the major companies had this tendency to make all their products in all their regions. And maybe they outsourced a little bit of, you know, of something. And, uh, and now it's become such a key part of their strategies to be able to partner with the right companies and, and to use the capabilities that are already out there rather than, build all those capabilities in every company. And, and, you know, I think to the point of not to overplay COVID-19, but, you know, you had a lot of the talk about, you know, well, let's just move our contract manufacturing away from China. It's not quite that simple because in many cases, uh, many of those relationships with brand manufacturers have been built over 10 years. You don't wake up tomorrow and say, well, you know, I'm not going to manufacture in country X anymore. I'm just going to move it to another country. Right. You know, meanwhile, you've jointly developed IP built manufacturing sites that are unique to that country. It's not quite that simple. You know, COVID-19 has really exposed how little we know about our supply chains. And, and it's, it's a, a lot of it's about suppliers, suppliers, Right. So you may, you know, you may get an API from one company, but you didn't really realize that that API gets starting material and ingredients from 17 different companies that are located in 10 different geographies. And, and that's what's really, you know, been the, the biggest hurdle. And, and one of the biggest things that COVID-19 has exposed that we thought we knew our supply chains and we didn't know our supply chains. And when, and when, 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 when we talk about getting, you know, uh, such a high percentage of our products from China, it's not really true. What's really true is that, that a high percentage of our products has at least one, you know, component from China or one component from India or one component from, you know, Europe. You know, I mean, there's just so many geographies involved in all of our products uh, that, you know, if there's a problem somewhere around the globe, we're probably going to see it in supply chains everywhere. Right. I mean, acetaminophen and Tylenol, right? There's, you can't make Tylenol without acetaminophen. So if you can't get acetaminophen, Tylenol supplies dry up. And I mean, that's exactly what we're seeing. I think it's really interesting to share a little anecdote. I'm sure you have, I remember the book, The Development Factory by Gary Pisano. And I once, uh, I once uh, had a long chat to him 
and you know, not to quote him ad verbatim, but but he made the point that, you know, it's been really interesting because if you read the book, he said, you know, the big pharma companies have lost track of their processes, and and I would say their supply chains, right? Which is the point you've just made, and and about. Uh, 10 years ago, I had him on a panel. He said, it's really interesting. I wrote that book a long time ago and I gave up. And he said, now suddenly 10 years later, everybody's buying the book and reading up what I said 10 years ago about understanding processes, understanding supply chain, how to do tech transfer and how to build supply chain systems. So, so I think the big wheel is turning and pharma can no longer cookie cutter and expect the Patheons and the other CDMOs to just magically start manufacturing in a strange country. I have a signed copy of that of his book. It might be behind me here, Roddy, but you have to be in the, in the industry long enough as you and I have to really uh, <laughs> uh, to know that story. That's great. <laughs> yeah, he's he's quite a character, and and he's certainly still around. So so this whole subject of um, of of agility. Let's let's go back to that. As you've seen, we're. Uh, trying to put an, an initiative together that is not connected to Tracelink or uh, technology, but to define some sort of a manifesto that says, you know, if we are all in the healthcare industry and we want to see transformation, here's some really core principles that we all want to understand. I'm going to go back to that patient-centric understanding because, you know, if you look at the consumer electronics, consumer goods industry, one thing that characterizes their strategies is they've really got close to the buyer of products. You know, and, and when you're in a contract manufacturer, you're way away from where the patient is. You know, I remember, um, and it's public domain, so I can talk about it. Eli Lilly, probably 10, 15 years ago, presented at Logi Farm and said, we've got 20 really experienced manufacturing supply chain experts sitting in a center in the UK. And we work with all of our contract manufacturers. We do assessments with them. They learn from us. We learn from them. What happened to that? You know, have, have CDMOs just been kind of left to their own devices and desires? How are the CDMOs developing their capabilities? How do they get any better? Because, you know, the partnering culture between pharma and CDMOs it's maybe not where it should have been. Uh, it's not where Eli Lilly were 20 years ago. Where do you see it today? What are the CEOs of these CDMOs? What are they, what are they, what keeps them awake at night? Yeah. So, you know, just a couple comments, Roddy, you know, there, there's a couple accelerators and COVID-19 is one of them, right? That's, right. that's changing a lot of things. I mean, COVID-19, I think is, you know, when we look back on it, it will have moved us quicker than we would have moved without it. Uh, I think another one that is, is, is cell and gene therapy, right? And, and the whole personalized medicine where, where you talk about being patient centric, patient centric, it's really causing us to, to be much more patient centric because, you know, in some of some of the CAR T products and some of the other products, it's, it's one patient, one batch. And you talk about, you know, vein to vein time, where if you can decrease the time from when you've taken the blood and the stem cells from a patient, manipulated them and gotten them back patient, you know, a couple days means a, a difference of life and death. And uh, that's really caused people to start rethinking how we do this and try to break down barriers and paradigms. 
Um, and so I, you know, I think those accelerators are going to have a really, really big impact. And I think one of the one of the areas that really technology is going to play an enabling role, and I say that in a very, very measured way, because you can't do this all with technology. I mean, for me, the most fundamental aspect of agility is that it's people, process, and technology. Is the ability, like in a case of Amazon. Uh, of exchanging data between partners on a network. You know, uh, uh, Amazon has my credit card. They got my address. I just have to click buy and uh, the suppliers ship it through the platform and it arrives at my house. Now, between the contract manufacturers and the manufacturer, the brand owners, this exchange of data, you know, to make it possible to be more data-centric in the way you run your supply chain is critical. How ready would you say, in general, the contract manufacturers are in terms of upgrading their technical capabilities so they can exchange data and make what they do more visible? Because it's a sensitive subject. Right. It's, it's incredibly critical for contract manufacturers to be as integrated system-wise as possible with their customers, meaning with the companies that are commercializing the products that they manufacture. And, and the companies, you know, so, so it, it, it can no longer be a, oh, we sent in an order, you know, 90 days ago, uh, when are you going to be ready to ship it? It's got to be, you know, what, what are all the steps that need to take place along the way? And where are we in all those steps? And how can we be totally coordinated so that we can make decisions about those steps and not just hope that after 90 days you finish that product and send it to us. So and the companies that are really integrated and good at that are going to be the, the successful ones and, and the leaders in the future. And, and, you know, just to emphasize that point without naming the company, I, I did a, a project with, between them and their contract manufacturers and we interviewed a lot of the CDMOs and one of the common complaints was, you know, uh, our, uh, the orders get changed by procurement at the last minute and, and we can't respond fast enough, right? So I think there's still a hangover in the industry that you make these big batches of product and that stuff doesn't change at the last minute. Well, you know, the reality is we talked about personalized medicine. We are getting down to much smaller batch sizes and we are going to see you know, much more personalized changes to packaging or product. And so therefore, uh, you know, the, the, the CDMOs are going to be, have to be more responsive and have to have some spare capacity so they can deal with those. They have the agility to be able to respond to these changes. Do they, do you think that they see that or are they still sort of trying to figure that out? I, I don't think they're totally there yet, but I think there's been a lot of really good work and, you know, you, 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 understand the principles of lean, right? The principles of lean mean that you end up with higher quality, lower inventories, lower cost, lower frustration. If you get lean right, everybody wins. Right. And, and right. that's what's so important. And it's taken the world a long time to learn that, you know, since Deming and others told us about that. But you know, I think in the pharma industry, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, a bit of a laggard, laggard. But I think there's a lot of good learning that's going on. And, and I think that, in fact, the CDMOs who are forced to be lean because their profits are lower and, and they, manufacturing is their whole reason to exist. 
I think there's some great lean work and lean thinking going on now. And, and you know, I think that what, what uh, thank goodness for the healthcare industry, that lean doesn't have the connotations that I think it had maybe 10, 15 years ago, where it was all about, you know, only about taking waste and costs out of manufacturing, right? Nobody ever wrote the book saying that's what lean is. It's really lean from the buyer all the way back into the supply system. And I think healthcare has the opportunity, and this is why patient understanding is so critical, of translating what lean and agility and resilience mean all the way from the patient through hospitals and distributors, all the way back through the CDMOs. And I think the technology platforms that allow us to share data uh, and make the movement of the product visible are, are kind of where this all goes in the future. And I think that's really exciting. Just to ask you a question, if you had to characterize, perhaps a little unfairly, what do you think the bulk of the CDMO CEOs keep awake at night worrying about? What would you say that is? I think they, they, they worry about quality all the time. And I'm glad they do. If they didn't, I, you know, that would, that would not be good, right? So, so quality has to be something that's front of mind all the time. If you're a CDMO and you have compliance issues, if you have quality issues, it's, it's kind of a non-starter for, you know, for your customer base. So, you know, if, if the first thing they think about isn't quality, and, and I know it is, so any good CEO uh, is really tired about quality. I, I think they're, talk, they're thinking about innovation. You know, they're trying to, you know, skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it is, um, and trying to look at three to five years down the road. How do they have facilities and processes that can make, you know, the right products in the right way? Um, I think they're, they're all concerned about capital and, and making sure they're making really smart investments in their, in their facilities and in their, you know, um, resources. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think um, systems is, is a really important, you know, uh, thing for them, you know, is to, to make sure that, um, that systems and processes in their facilities really support, you know, the needs of their organizations. And, and I mean, that's right, because in many cases, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the CDMOs inherited or purchased sites from big brand manufacturers. So they took those sites over with all their systems uh, and they may be doing work for five, six, ten pharmaceutical companies with all the systems they inherited from each of them. And that can't be an easy job uh, to be agile and responsive when, when you have such a, a complex plethora of systems and technologies. Right, right. It's definitely a, um, the, the way they invest and the way they um, prepare for the future is, is really important. Because like you say, a lot of the, the capacity out there in CDMOs is, you know, facilities that have been spun out of, you know, large pharma. Uh, they're not all that, you know, com some of the companies, uh, Vetter, for an example, you know, has, you know, they've, you know, they've, they've indicated you know, where capacity would be needed and they've built a lot, you know, from, from, you know, their own, but, but a lot of companies are dealing with kind of bricks and mortar that, that have to be modified and aren't easily modified, you know, but have to be, you know, evolved over time. Right. So Peter, just to close, if you had to give one piece of advice to the leader of a CDMO supply chain organization, 
uh, a piece of practical advice based on the learnings from COVID, uh, the challenges we see with personalized medicine go forward, what would that be? What would you say they, they really need to focus on? Yeah. So, so you know, be, be seen as a partner, right? Really, you know, be, be, it's less about transactions and more about really being aligned with, with your customer and, and really understanding what their needs are and kind of meeting that through the whole process. Not trying to just deliver the product they asked for 90 days later, but really, you know, aligning all the way through that process. You know, take responsibility. Um, you know, that's a lot of criticism in the CDMO industry is that, you know, we, do, we, we can't accept, you know, high liability and we, you know, you know, you're in this together. Take responsibility, um, you know, be transparent about, you know, problems and issues. Um, and, you know, and be innovative, you know, you know, be, you know, don't, don't be stuck with barriers that exist and paradigms that exist, but, but come on with, come in with new ideas and new approaches and, and, you know, let's, let's bring this industry, you know, let's accelerate us to excellence and, and not, uh, not make the journey too long and painful. And I think that, you know, that's a really great point to end on because I think the blame game doesn't work, right? We're trying to be an end-to-end patient-centric supply chain. Uh, and when you fragment that supply chain and just assign blame to everybody not delivering, you're never going to make the industry work. I mean, to some extent, that's why we are where we are between all the players and the end-to-end supply chain. It's just so fragmented. So, so, Peter, thank you very much for making the time. Thank you for being associated with, uh, with TraceLink for so many years. And it's really a great privilege to have you, having been in so many parts of the industry over the years. It's a real great privilege to, to be talking to you. So thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. And I, I thanks for having me today. Great to see you. Thanks, Peter.